It's time to think differently about healthcare, but how do we keep up? The days of yesterday's medicine are long gone, and we're left trying to figure out where to go from here. With all the talk about politics and technology, it can be easy to forget that healthcare is still all about humans. And many of those humans have unbelievable stories to tell. Here, we leave the policy debates to the other guys and focus instead on the people and ideas that are changing the way we address our health. It's time to navigate the new landscape of healthcare together and hear some amazing stories along the way. Ready for a breath of fresh air? It's time for your Paradigm Shift. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare and thank you for listening. I'm Michael Roberts here today with Scott Zeitzer. So a lot has changed in the landscape of content marketing and search engine optimization for medical practices. And it's important to keep up with the latest best practices to have continued success with online marketing. So we're continuing on our discussion from part one and our marketing coordinator, Ashley Hohenzi, the writer of practically thousands of articles for both us and for our clients. She's joining us today to talk about how practices can ensure that their content meets the needs of their patients, what kinds of results to expect from content marketing. And that answer has, I think, changed some, or like the timing of that answer at least has changed. We'll talk about that in a bit. And everything else that practices need to look out for in their search engine optimization strategies. Yeah. This was supposed to be one episode and then we get into it in episode one and we're going, no, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have a second episode. It is something that a lot of my good friends, customers talk to me about. It's so critical to the success of online marketing. And so, Ashley, last time we discussed the importance of providing content that answers patient questions so that they can better understand what's happening, have better expectations. And that's a real win right off the bat. But do you have any tips on how a practice might how a practice might do that when they're writing their own content, what they need to focus on. Sure. My number one tip, if you're writing your own content, and that goes for anything, wherever you're going to publish it is don't ever try to edit yourself or review yourself. You know, I've been doing this for so many years, you know, even before professionally, like even all the way up through high school, you never want to edit yourself just because there's certain things. There's either an inferred knowledge or something that you may have or a phrase may make sense in your head. But when someone else reads it, it doesn't always translate as well as you think it does. Even if your grammar is great, you know, all of that. I mean, of course, always have someone check for that as well. But beyond that, just... Does, do people understand what you're writing? And, you know, it's important that you always have another set of eyes on it, at least multiple, if you can. Yeah. Um, you know, especially like I've spoken to so many surgeons and when they write their content, number one, don't write content for another surgeon, write the content mm-hmm. for a patient. Right. And then that comment about inferred knowledge, we all deal with this, uh, whether you're a surgeon in a practice or you know, in any field, there's this mm-hmm. inferred knowledge where it's like, of course, everybody knows that, you know, and then you read it right. to somebody else and they're going, what? You know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even better, like, you know, after you think you've got it at a place where you like it, if you know anybody in your demographic, whether that is an actual patient or just friend, family member, someone that, you know, yeah. have them read it, like, see if it makes sense to the people you're actually trying to trying to write this for. I really think that's a critical component of the win, so to speak. Yeah. I, it's actually I, something I, that we we dug into when we were doing some of like our website designs that we've we've got now right. is that 
we had put together, you know, just going along this line of like having somebody else kind of review your work. We had put together a menu and a navigation for the website that we thought this mm-hmm. makes sense. This yeah. is totally going to yeah. work. And then we got it in front of the the right demographic. The this so specifically for us, like the people that may need a hip replacement. The, you know that we'll say mm-hmm. from sixty on up. You know, it's that mm-hmm. that kind of age yeah. group and. And watching how they looked for information and watching for where they were expecting that information to be, like, where's insurance information supposed to live? Well, it could be here, 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 and here, and we'd only had it in this one place. And so, (laughs) you know, it just just goes to show that, like, hey, we're professionals in the space. We know that we need to be thinking about our audience. And still, we weren't thinking about our audience enough. It's funny you mention that because I I always tell uh, people like, yeah, yeah, the sites do look clean and and attractive, et cetera. But we actually tested the heck out of this. Uh, I, I remember another one of those things where, you know, the inferred kind of conversation, like we were inferring that the uh, there was one page where we had like where all the doctors were listed. And we thought, this is a great page. Everybody's going there. It's like, no, they were annoyed. <laughs> they had to go there. They just wanted they, to go to their doctor. They didn't want to right, see. They couldn't doctors. find that specific example. It was like a listing of all yeah. the doctors but no specification of what that doctor did. Correct. So it was like, I want a hip replacement surgeon. Well, here you go. Here's a list of 20 doctors. Go. Oh, and by the way, it's not even in alphabetical order because we put it in when they joined the practice. And it's like, no, no, I get it, man. You know, that you founded it and your last name starts with a Z. I deal with that all the time being a Zeitzer. But yeah, that's not helpful. But yeah, so guys, really write it for your patient and test it. And and you're right, Ashley, on those two different pathways, right? One pathway being the inferred knowledge pathway. Are you getting this, mom? You getting this, dad? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, like, you're not going to see your own errors in typing or whatever. It's just we're not editors by, you know, I think that's great. Another test that you might actually be able to do, depending on, like, how your practice is set up and that kind of stuff. You know, so let's say that the the practice writes their own content, whether Mm -hmm. it's the physician or, or somebody in the office. Yeah. You know, hand it out to a few patients that are sitting in the waiting room. Great. Is, idea. Yeah. is this something that, you know, they're here to learn more about, especially if you know that a patient's been referred to potentially talk about the procedure you're you're trying to trying to write content about? Hand that content out, see what questions the patient comes in with. You know, to, to give them let, let them go through and start marking up and, and start no uh, asking questions yep. as well. Yeah. Especially look, uh, like I I would hope that at this point most web developers like like our platform is obviously on a content management system so you can log in and add edit delete and you know that kind of tweaky changes after you've written it you posted it up there and you're printing it out for people and you're asking i'll just log in and make a little tweak and i'm done and i think that's really helpful for everybody another question a a common question i get this a lot (laughs) is okay i added content a month ago why am I not number one now? And I don't care how many times I've prepped this. Like, I forgot who it was. And I'll ne- I would never call them out anyway. But I think we once got, like, we posted it. And then two days later, it was like, it's not showing up in Google. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> and believe me, everybody, I am the king of setting good expectations. So I did not imply or ever infer. I even try to talk. Uh, I actually talk about how long it takes to to get found on Google, so to speak, from the perspective of of how orthopods kind of inform their patients about when you're going to get back to normal, like, you know, setting good expectations. So, Ashley, hey, I added content a month ago. Why am I not ranking number one for this procedure now? 
Right, right. Yeah, that is a very common question. And so the answer is, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, that's why that expectation is set, because that could have been the case where you could have added content, you know, or content marketing and medical practices was really a newer kind of thing. There weren't a lot of people doing it. So it was very easy to get where you wanted to be because, you know, frankly, you didn't have a lot of people competing with you to do that. And now we're in a place where the market is just saturated. Content marketing is just not a new thing. So so here's a good analogy. Like you guys know how I love baking and all of that. So remember like 10, you know, 10 years ago when like the cupcake bakery was like the thing and it was the new hot thing. So all you really had to, you were the new guy in town. Like everybody would flock to you. You look at it now, there's like five plus cupcake shops in every town, right? So it's not just enough that you're, it's not a novelty anymore. It's not enough that you're just, that you make cupcakes cool. Like I have so many options. You gotta, you know, now it's about like, what are your flavors? Like, what is your quality of your product? Like, how are you decorating it? You got to push harder to get the business. And it's very much the same thing here. <laughs> let, let me jump in here because this is episode 102. And somehow we got yeah. to episode yeah. 102 without a cupcake shop an- analogy. So yeah. like, You've done this, it. You've done this it. is the new yeah. standard. I love it. I love it. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, anytime I can talk about baked goods, but like, I kind of want to add into this conversation about the market being saturated, et cetera. It's like, remember, Google does earn a living essentially selling ads. I mean, it does a lot of other stuff like Gmail and servers and stuff like that. But when you're talking about in the search engine business, you know, you're typing into Google, like they make Mm -hmm. good money on ads. The content marketing is so critical because it's like you wouldn't go to Google unless you went to the right page. So mm-hmm. Google definitely right. Must be right. Hence why content marketing is so important, but it's not like they're trying to figure out how to speed up organic search results. You know what I mean? Like right. they're going like, yay, thank you for all the money, you know, for the ad money. And so yeah. always put that in the back of your head. I always tell people like about this when I'm, I'm walking people through like, Hey, it's going to take time, you know, be prepared for up to six months, maybe. And I always kind of remind them like, remember Google makes more, a lot more money on ads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you're going to be mad at Google for all the, for all of the, for a variety of reasons, we're all mad at tech, but you may want to buy some stock at the same time because they're <laughs> quite successful at what they're doing. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, is just, yeah, you know, like I said, if you got on board early, you know, you could get away with kind of just okay content, right? you know, now, now it's nice. Content. You need good content. Two paragraphs is not going to cut it anymore. And sometimes you'll see, sometimes I guess the follow-up question is, well, these guys are ranking number one and they don't have, you know, the content I have. And it's like, well, they probably got in on it early. So there is like a built-up clout or whatever you want to call it. So they've been able to hold on to it for years. They've been ranking in the spot. Ashley, another big part of this, you know, how quickly you get found, et cetera. It's like, look, if you're the sole practitioner and I'll, I'll, I'll just, I don't know, North Dakota, South Dakota, the Dakotas, mm-hmm. and you're in downtown Manhattan, yeah, you know, that's a major difference, you know, regarding right. market size, et cetera. Right. Yeah. That is another big part of the conversation. Definitely market size. How many competitors you have in your market? Because yeah, to your point, a huge city, you know, you're going to be competing against several people, practices, probably larger practices, uh, hospital groups. Whereas it, where if you're the single guy who's on his own, I'm not going to say you can't ever outrank 
but it's very difficult to ever beat the big hospital group because not only do they have kind of the manpower behind it, they've got a bigger budget, you know, they've got more, they've got more of that Google momentum, like you say, because there's a lot more, there's a lot of weight behind an institution versus an individual guy. Whereas like if you're the single practitioner, small practice and you're in a really small town, you know, maybe you don't have any competitors, maybe you have like one, you know, it's a lot easier to add some content, anything that's better than what your competitor is doing and outrank them in a couple months. But that's just, if you're in a bigger practice, that's really, it's a lot harder. You know, you got to build up trust. Michael, you and I have talked quite a bit to a lot of practices over the years. When we start, we always tell them like, because they'll say stuff like, I want to be found for everything. Right. You always go like, right. No, no, you really don't. And, you know, when you were talking about the the hard battle that a single practitioner in the big city will, will say, I'll stick with New York City, battling against, you know, hospital chains, et cetera. Michael, do you have some advice for them about like, would it be just getting more niche with the content marketing? But what other advice would you have, Michael? It's a tall order, right? It is. It's like, setting expectations correctly for, for everyone, I think is great. Yeah, like it is for sure. Order. So I would definitely focus on something very, very specific. I mean, if you're in a market that big, you also have to look at it in terms of don't come at this as an search engine optimization only technique. What you're really trying for, and this is the big shift, I think that that's really happened in, in search engines over the past ten years, is it's not just about the right words in the article. You know, to what to what Ashley's mm-hmm. saying, it's not just about yeah. saying the right thing enough times and keyword stuffing and all that kind of stuff. You're trying to build a brand, trying to build some sort of reputation so that people know to search for your content. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, incoming links, the number of different sites and number of different mentions and all of that fun kind of stuff that points into your site also makes a huge difference in how well that content's going to rank. So if I'm a single person, a single practitioner in Manhattan and I'm trying to rank, I'm going to be the one person for this procedure and getting like super, super specific with that procedure Mm -hmm. so that you can kind of really lock into that differentiation. Hey, it's Michael here with your P3 Pro Tip for the week. Is your practice introducing a new procedure or service and trying to figure out how to attract patients online? A common problem that practices run into is that they lead SEO efforts with the name of the procedure or service. However, that strategy doesn't tend to work well with new treatment options. If patients don't know the name of your new offering, they won't think to search for it. So while you may end up ranking number one in Google for the treatment, you aren't likely to bring in new patients for that because they aren't searching for it. Instead, focus your SEO efforts on the problem that the new treatment solves. For example, if your practice is offering a new type of technology for knee replacements, focus on ranking for knee replacements, not for the name of the new technology. Once you've got patients' attention for the thing they know they need, then you can introduce your new treatment option and explain why you recommend it. Before we move on, guys, let's take a quick station break here. So this is the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare. I'm joined by Scott Zeitzer and Ashley Hohenzi today. We're talking about content. Uh, we're talking about search engine optimization. We're talking about the level of, of work that you have to do to go beyond your competitors. And Ashley, you're absolutely right. It's not enough to just slap up an okay article anymore. You have to be better than what's out there and you have to be able to be 
more aggressive about gaining attention around all the different factors that go into that. I wouldn't right. mind letting everybody know, like, like, you know, when I talk about search engine optimization with our prospective customers, our current customers, we don't just write an article. You know, I think it's critical. I get it. If you're doing this on your own, you're basically saying, hey, I, I want to be found for just to be silly tap dancing and I'm going to write about tap dancing. But we don't do that. Like we don't just write an article. Ashley, Michael, jump in if you want. What's the process? We're going to jump into a project and, and we're going to do content marketing. Walk us through the process, you know, that we as a company go through so that I'm not doing this as an advertisement, everybody. Sure. I'm doing this so that you have an idea about what you need to look for, whether it's us, whether it's yourself, whether it's somebody else. Sure. So once we kind of get an idea from the surgeon, uh, sort of what they want to focus on, we'll go and do some keyword research. Sometimes the surgeon will come to us like, I want to have an article on this procedure. And it's a super technical procedure name that a patient would never use. So mm -hmm. I'll go through and kind of figure out, okay, what's the more common term for that? What kind of terminology can we use that's patient friendly? And we'll go back to the surgeon with that. We'll come up with some questions to interview the surgeon. And usually what I'm focusing on there is, so, you know, we talk about the procedure itself, of course, but I'm more focused on in the interview, this on the surgeon's perspective, you know, what is their philosophy? What is their training? What can we highlight about that? And every surgeon, that's where the differentiation really comes in. Every surgeon's going to have different training. You know, they're going to have a different approach to how they do it. And really getting down to how they take care of the patient is what's most important because you really, if you're just looking for general information about a procedure, you can find that anywhere. It's on the internet somewhere. So we do touch on it so that we make sure we really give a whole picture to the patient of what would be happening. But we really weave in throughout the surgeon's perspective there. I always tell the surgeon, we're, we're not trying to compete with WebMD here. You know, right. Really, it's very little conversation actually about the surgery itself in a way, you know? Yeah. And when you talk about, say, a hip replacement and some, you know, somebody says, I do a direct anterior. Mm -hmm. Right. And you go, okay, why? And man, you know, the passion that comes out, like, wow. Right. <laughs> or the other way, if that's not what they like to do. You know, yeah. th there is a passion for it. They do get into it and getting that across in a way that, a patient can understand is critical. That's one part. Mm -hmm. But the other part of it, when you're writing this content, again, I go back to like, it's very scary for a patient to do mm -hmm. a total hip or a total knee. It's very scary. And there's so many questions that you have about, you know, how quickly you can back to normal. Is there going to be a lot of blood? Am I going to be in a lot of pain? I'm scared of, you know, getting hooked on opioids. You know, I've seen a lot of that. What do you, you know, what do you do? How do I best prep for this? What kind of information should my caregiver know? You know, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things come into play. We're used to writing this. So, you know, it's kind of secondhand for us. But those are the kind of things that get that need to be in that article. Actually, we touched on it last podcast, but I do want to remind people like, no, you can't write just a couple of paragraphs, but about how many words do you try uh, just to remind everybody? Yeah. So I try to go for about 800 to a thousand, give or take. Okay. Um, usually ends up being a little closer to a thousand, especially if you can really get them talking in the interview. Sure. It's always good to have more material than less, but like you don't want to be overwhelming. So, you know, especially if you're laying down a lot of information there, make sure you're using a lot of headings, a lot of smaller paragraphs, lists where it makes sense, things that make it easily readable. Cause it's not also just having the information, but you want it 
to be able to be read easily from any device. So that's another. No, no doubt. I think that's one of the, the biggest things when it comes to somebody writing content on their own versus, mm-hmm. you know, working with, with other teams or working with other people. Like just because you can write doesn't mean you can write for the web. And it's right. one of those things that it seems like it seems like it should just work. But, you know, you think about like reading a novel versus reading a news article. If they took those like I, it's so funny because I'll, I'll be reading, you know, and I'm like, I get to a page and like the entire page is one paragraph. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, how can no. anyone ever read this much you know, content all at once? Yeah. And so that formatting and the way that you're presenting all that information is critical to effective communication. Yeah, there is an art to it. I really don't think James Joyce would be a great content, you know, writer. As I've tried to get through Ulysses, I don't know how many times. But that being said, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, content marketing. And Michael, you've kind of hammered into my head, you know, over the years. I always tell people like there's an ABCs, you know, uh, to I worked my way through college as an EMT and, you know, airway breathing and circulation. doesn't really matter what's going on with somebody's big toe, airway, breathing, and circulation. Then we'll get to the big toe just to be silly. But the ABCs in my mind, right? You need a good website. You need good content on that website. And we can talk about, we've talked about this, but then there's that other component, reputation marketing, which seems to be so critical. And there are some other things that we can do outside of that. So first, Michael, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about reputation marketing and why you think it's so important and what else we can do on top of the search engine optimization to help in this overall organic win, shall we say. You talk about the difference between 10 years ago and and today, and and we keep bringing this up because so many people that we encounter, and and not just in medical practices, but just I think like in marketing in general, Mm -hmm. you very quickly run into 10 years ago mindsets. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. well, hey, I said it on my website. I said I'm the best. So why aren't they all, you know, ranking me as the best? And why aren't people treating me as the best? And why aren't right. they all, you know, 10 years ago, like everybody was doing online shopping. Everybody was going down that pathway. But now it's expected. If you go on, I'll pick out Best Buy and you don't see reviews for a product. Go, Geez, that product must must not be very good. Right. Because like nobody's reviewed it at all, you know, like or Amazon or any of them. And you look at these different systems and and Amazon is the king of perpetuating this concept, right, of getting this idea up at Yelp and all of those different groups that did this. This is the norm. This is how people shop. It's how they make selections. It's their decision making process. If you don't have reviews, you just don't exist in so many ways. Like you just like they just move right on like, oh, not enough reviews, bad scores in your reviews, like whatever it may be, like these are the factors that legitimize or not, right? And that's so frustrating to somebody that spent so many years getting their doctorate and doing all of the practice and doing all the things. You know, we one of the discussions we heard, it's like being compared to an Uber driver or being compared to a restaurant or something like that to just have these scores be like the end all be all of your value as a physician. And that in a way it's not fair. And in a way it it really is because it really does speak to the level of, I'll say customer service. And that's a a term that like always kind of rings a little oddly in healthcare. But I think this idea of customer service is just becoming the norm, whether people want it to or not. Right. This is where so much right. of healthcare is going. And so the different signals that that come off of that do help 
search engines, do help all of these other kinds of entities know that this is a successful practice or isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and guys uh, who are listening and kind of shaking their head about reputation marketing, it really is just another kind of word of mouth. I know every most orthopods, they get out, they're working the ER, they're trying to show that they're good at what they do, they're trying to show that they care, they're trying to, so many things, trying to tell the other surgeons, you know, that are there and the other docs that they're there for them, et cetera, you know, that they're reliable. And that comes across without, you know, a survey, I get it, but hey, everybody's checking you out, man. You know, you're in that ER and you're setting that bone or you're taking them up to surgery, et cetera. It's like, you're showing what you're about. You're showing about how you get back to the, how you're taking care of the patient, how you perform the actual procedure, how you're interacting with the primary care physician, the rheumatologist, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just you doing reputation marketing without the, without the name around it, right? It's, basic word of mouth that's been going on for hundreds of years. All that's happening now is that they've come up with a technology that helps do it better, so to speak. So I do kind of say like, everybody calm down. Like I get it. All the things, Michael, that you said, but reputation marketing is not going away. It's part of the process, shall we say. And those that ignore it, do it at their own peril, so to speak. So I would strongly, there are a variety of different services out there. We happen to use uh, the folks at uh, Presscaney, uh, doctor.com, but there are other good services as well. Find somebody. And, and as you start, like, you know, if you're working in a, in a large practice or for a hospital, they've got some system that might be similar, but do not hide from that. Make it part of your thing. That's my best advice. Yeah. So there's online, the review process. There are things like listings, you know, for your map listings, all of that kind of stuff, getting all of that stuff consistent, making sure that your website is fast enough so that you're not frustrating people as soon as they come to (laughs) see you, all of that kind of stuff. We've talked about that in other episodes. So we'll we'll kind of, you know, leave that for another conversation. All of this just goes to show that like content, this process of trying to, to write for the patient to write to the people that are going to come to see you in your practice. It's something you need to spend a lot of time thinking about. It's not just the quick blurb that you always give out to somebody. It's something that you need to think through how you're going to package it in a way that's accessible for everybody and is easy for people to understand. Ashley, thank you so much. Two episodes back to back. I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, Again, we've got the cupcake shop analogy. Episode 102 is done. It happened. (laughs) So that's, I consider that a success. Everybody, thank you so much for listening and have a great week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare. This program is brought to you by Health Connective, custom marketing solutions for medtech and pharma. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.